Gladys Alward missionary to China more than 50 years ago, was forced to flee when the Japanese invaded Yangqing. But she could not leave her work behind. With only one assistant, she led more than 100 orphans over the mountain towards free China. In their book, The Hidden Price of Greatness, Ray Benson and Mac Hunkinser tells what happened. During Gladys' heroic journey out of war-torn Yangqing, she grappled with despair as never before. After passing a sleepless night, she faced the morning with no hope of reaching safety. A 13-year-old girl, girl, it's strange how God will use young people sometimes. A 13-year-old girl in the group reminded her of their much-loved story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. But I'm not Moses. Gladys cried in desperation. Of course you aren't, the girl said. Now watch it now. Of course you aren't, the girl said. But Jehovah is still God. I'm going to run that back because I like the way that sounds. Of course you aren't while you get in the attitude with me. But let me tell you something. Jehovah is still God. When Gladys, you give God praise for that. When Gladys and the orphans made it through, they proved once again that no matter how inadequate we feel, God is still God and we can trust in him. Yeah. Friends, we are not Moses either, but God is still God. Friends, there comes times in life when we face things bigger than us. Oftentimes when, when God calls us to do something greater for his name, it is beyond our abilities. It is beyond our power. God calls unequipped people to do extraordinary things. God puts us in situations where we need him to put his super on our natural. No matter what we face, the good news is this and will always remain this. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you flip it, no matter how you turn it, no matter who brings it to you, this is the good news that God is still God. I feel like preaching this morning. Friends, this morning God is calling Moses. Y'all remember Moses back in season two? I'm talking about cowardly Moses. Moses the punk, not Moses the courageous one. Moses who was scared to go to Pharaoh. Look at him now in season nine. And something happens when you're walking with God. And friends, this morning, God is calling Moses and the people of Israel to do something bigger than themselves, something that's going to stretch and challenge their faith. We will learn this today in Exodus 14. Today, we continue chosen Moses and find ourselves in front of the Red Sea. Surely one of the most renowned miracles in the Bible besides the resurrection of Christ is the spreading of the Red Sea. 
The Exodus is the greatest redemption event in the Old Testament times. It's repeated over and over in Psalms and later in stories as the defining moment for Israel. Israel is created in the Exodus. Israel as a nation, as she is brought out of Egypt and crosses the Red Sea, as it is brought into being, uh, 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 this is a defining moment for them. So if you will, this morning, join me with the Israelites as they leave Egypt. But first, previously on Chosen Moses. Last week, we, at the beginning of our chapter, it's particularly chapter 14, the children of Israel have been released from the house of Egypt, from the house of bondage, delivered by all the plagues that God brought. We've seen how God exercised his divine hand to release his people. Now they have a pillar of cloud leading them by day and a pillar of fire leading them by night. They are at an all-time high. You hear me? They are on an all-time high. They've been in slavery for over 400 years, and they finally got their emancipation papers, and, come, and they're coming out of Egypt boldly. They're dripping with jewelry, listening to outcasts. Ain't nobody fresh as me. I'm just so fresh and so clean, clean with their Jordan 12s, leaving their iPhones behind and upgrading to Android devices. Amen. Somebody. Chad, I may have caused some trouble in the room. Confident looking for the promised land on a peaceful trail. But things are about to turn up. And isn't that life? Good times can quickly fade to bad times. And just like that, we are, front, we are in front of the Red Sea. Just like that, we are stuck. Just like that, they say something bigger than themselves. Before we cross the Red Sea, I want you to see four things in the passage before us. In season 9, verses 1 through 4, you're going to see a change of course in a web of providence. In verses 5 through 9, you're going to see a change of heart in the Egyptians' pursuit. In episode 3, you're going to see uh, 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 verses 10 through 12, you're going to see a, 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 a change of attitude and complaint, complaints against Moses. And in episode 4, verses 13 through 14, you're going to see a strange set of directives and a bold promise from God. So let's look at this passage together. Season 9, episode 1, Trapped on Purpose. In this episode, God gives clear instruction to Moses. What are those instructions? Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before that place, between that place, in the sea. Ain't no point in trying. You should camp out in front of that place. You see it on the screen. You try it. Opposite it by the sea. At first glance, one thinks nothing of this verse until you do your own homework. This is good. God is telling them where to go. And many of us wish God would speak to us so clearly. Just tell me, God, and I will obey. In fact, some of y'all got some situations, circumstances right now that you like, God, if you just, if you just say something, like a GPS, go left, go right. 
That's what I will do. Now, some of y'all, y'all don't even listen to the GPS. But most of the time, when God calls you to do something, God doesn't just show you all of it at once uh, 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 because that's not how God works. God usually gives progressive revelation. <coughs> because if God showed you everything that he had for you to do, you'd be like, God has lost his mind. No way in the world. However, God's instructions, watch this now, God's instructions leaves his people boxed in between the mountain and the Red Sea. Now, of course, we know that God is going to spread the Red Sea, but if you put yourself in their shoes, they don't know this yet. They don't have what we have to be able to see what is going to happen. No, these people do not know what is getting ready to happen. All they know is that God has told them to go somewhere, and the place that he has told them to go seems to have no way out. And Pharaoh, y'all remember Pharaoh, Pharaoh certainly knew what a bad decision this was. But when he hears of it, the Bible says, he will say, they're wandering aimlessly. They're shut in. Now, on a human level, this doesn't make sense. Let's have a conversation. Why would you trap yourself like this? You have no way out. That's not the place to be. And yet, that's precisely what the Lord tells Moses to take Israel. Oh, God, what are you up to? Because what appears to be a trap to us is an opportunity for God. What appears to be a trap to us is an opportunity for God. An opportunity for what, God? You ever had that conversation with God where you got, a, got an attitude with God? That just doesn't make sense. Why, why would you put me in this situation? Why, why would you take me to this job? God, God, I thought that you were going to bless me. God, God, I thought that this was going to be a good time. God, God, what in the world are you doing? I can feel the anger. I can feel the anxiety of the people of Israel. God, this is not funny. We're trapped, God. You couldn't choose another way. Surely if Google can show another route. God of the universe who created everything, I know that you have to have another route. And God is saying, I got another route, but the route that I got is going to be the route that I alone get the glory. Now check this out. In verse 3, God tells Moses exactly what he's up to. He wants Pharaoh to think two things. I love God. Watch this. He wants Pharaoh to think two things. Number one, Israel is wandering aimlessly. And number two, he wants Pharaoh to think Israel is trapped. Why does he want him to think this? God with Pharaoh in verse 4, plans to use this to harden Pharaoh's heart and to entice him to his own destruction. Why does God want to do this? He has a grander purpose, and that purpose is revealed in verse 4. God intends to do this not merely for the liberation of Israel. No, 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 that's not God's main divine purpose. 
By the way, isn't it interesting that the liberation of Israel isn't even mentioned in verses 1 through 4? The grander reason that God intends to do this, watch it now, it's for the display of his glory. He plans to use Pharaoh and his army as the instrument of his glory so that all the Egyptians will know that he is the Lord. And this is huge. If you're going to understand salvation in the Bible, God's main purpose in saving us is not our liberation from sin, but his glory. God does this often in the Bible in our lives. He will let us get trapped with no way out so that he alone gets the glory. But God also uses the bad people and things for his glory. God is getting ready to get some glory out of this. Remember when Jesus' friend Mary Martha sent word that their brother Lazarus was dying? Do you guys remember that? A nice story. I mean, you've been in church long enough, you know this story. And so, and so Mary, Mary and Martha had Jesus direct line. And so, and, and, and so they hit Jesus up and they say, hey, yo, Jesus, our brother is getting ready to die. I know we're cool. You stayed at our house so many times. We share meals together. We text often. So they, they, they just knew that Jesus was coming because Jesus came for strangers. But watch what Jesus said, so the sister went to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it said, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the son of God may be glorified through it. I don't know if you caught it, but God allowed Lazarus to die because God wanted to get some glory out of the situation. God will allow things to enter into your life, not so much to destroy you, but instead so that you would see his glory. I know that's hard for some of you, uh, but newsflash, uh, you're not the center of God's world or the Bible. No, you're not. I know that's hard. I know that's hard for some of y'all. And I know you want to walk out because I said that. Uh, But God's glory is the center of the universe and it's the center of the Bible. You see, back in the early seasons of Chosen Moses, Pharaoh uttered those words. Y'all remember? The Lord. I never heard of the Lord. Who is the Lord? And it comes right here to this point. God is saying, Pharaoh, you're getting ready to know who I am. Your people are getting ready to know who I am. The world is getting ready to know who I am. Friends, therefore God saved you to put his name on you. You have to be careful, though, not to judge Israel. You need to understand Israel is in an entirely different place than you and I are. We are looking at this from the outside with future distance. They are between a rock and a wet place, and things look bad. No helicopter is coming. They have no weapons. They have no cell phones. I ain't going to go there. No social media, no Lyft, no Uber. They feel set up. They, they are not thinking about the glory of God, and they're thinking, God, this is not funny. Now, how often have we been 
untrusting during situations that are bigger than us. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? How untrusting we get when we're not in control. You may be sitting here now doing your rocking wet place. Let's not play holy. When we are trapped, we're not thinking about the glory of God. Okay, y'all not going to tell on yourselves this morning. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It reminds me of that old illustration I used of my five-year-old daughter uh, when she was stuck. Y'all know Lila is something else. So one day, I heard her yelling, help daddy. And I ran over to the other room, and she was struggling to dress herself. When I rushed over to help her, I found her arm stuck through the neck of the hole of her blouse. She fought me and refused to let go of the shirt as she shouted, making it impossible for me to correct the situation. Suddenly I realized I sometimes treat God the same way. When I pray, help God, I try to let go of my preconceived solution. God, God might have different plans, but, 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 but oftentimes we hinder God's work when we clutch on to our own plans. We think we have to be in control in order for God to be God. Sometimes we feel like, I know, I, I know God, pal. I know God going to do what he going to do. I ain't worried about it. I got faith. But, but, but first, I got to fix this over here, God. I got to move this. I got I to gotta do this, and I, and I got to do that. And God is saying, sometimes you have got to let go and let me. For some of you, that may be a little bit too cliche-ish, so, so let me give you scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Well, what happens next, Pastor? Netflix is asking, are we still watching? This brings us to season nine, episode two. The Egyptians changed their minds. Oh, it's about to go down. Just when they thought they were out, here it comes. The second thing I want you to see, you'll see in verses 5 through 9, a change of heart in the pursuit by the Egyptians. If you recall, Pharaoh had decided to let God's people go, but after discovering they were trapped, he changed his mind. Watch it now. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people, and they said, what is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariots and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel. While the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by that place in front of that place. <laughs> Let me sum it up. Pharaoh is like, what in the world am I thinking? We have just let 600,000 able-bodied, totally cheap labor people leave the country. We must have been out of our minds. They got a hold of some stuff is what he's saying. I'm like, bro, did you not see all the frogs in the locusts? You, you're not losing your mind. You're losing control. 
because you were never in control. Take a good look at Pharaoh. See how arrogant he is. He thinks because he has all the money and power that he can do what he wants to God's people. And money and power will make you delusional. But friends, I need to remind you, it's not those with the money and the power that are in control, but God himself. Our God owns the universe. A cattle on a thousand hills belong to our God. And I say that because we begin to lack faith when we lack resources. We tend to look at our resources rather than our source. This is the people of Israel as Pharaoh changes his mind. We need to understand, though, what they are up against. I need you to get in the text now. I need you to feel this. I need you to be here with me as we are between a rock and a wet place. I need you to feel the sand that they're feeling that is coming from the chariots. I need you to see them coming. I need you to feel the sweat on their brows. I need you to see the shakiness in their hands. I need you to feel the anxiety in their hearts. I need you not to judge them. I need you to feel them. We see in verse 7 that this is not some sort of minor desert police operation. This is the bulk. Perhaps the totality of the forces of the most powerful army on earth being marshaled against a people that don't know how to shoot a bow and arrow. No, 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 no. Pharaoh gives it all he got, he has. This should be an easy capture. This should be a no-brainer. If you're looking at this, you're saying that this is over with. This is a healthy dub nation team against preschool basketball team. Like you know who's going to win this game. It appears, humanly speaking, that Pharaoh has the better hand. But zoom in on verse 8. I love verse 8 because verse 8 gives you a totally different perspective of who's in control. In verse 8, it is made clear that God is acting here. Watch this. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he, what? Pursue the people of who? While the people of Israel were going out. Defiantly. Friends, it may look like this is Pharaoh's idea. It may look like Pharaoh has all the cards in his deck, but this is God's plan. God is, as usual in the story, if you've been following us through season one, through season two, through season three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, clearly behind it and in control of all the events. So when Pharaoh gives chase, you realize Pharaoh is chasing right where the Lord has ordained him to chase. In other words, if you belong to God, he will send you into a trap, but the trap is not for you. It is for God's enemies. <laughs> Friends, what I need you to see is God knows how to play his hand. Remember in season one or two, we talked about how God is a great, hold, hold, now hold your shout now, how God is a great space player. You remember that chorus? We talked about how good of a space player 
God is. This is why you must chill like spades. In spades, there are usually, for those of you who never played spades, in spades, there are usually four players. It's a two-on-two, if you will. The goal of the game is for you and your partner to win as many plays as possible, and by doing so, you gain what we call books. The more books, the better. The better the cards you have, the better chances you have of winning. Nothing is worse. Let me tell you. Hold on, y'all. I'm having a moment. Nothing is worse, Demina, than having a bad hand. When you pick that hand up and you realize that that dealer didn't give you any good cards, you get emotional. One time I was playing, got a bad hand. Freaked me out, y'all, because I had a bad hand. But my partner, on the other hand, was over there smiling and smirking. And I'm wondering why my partner is smiling and smirking because what's in my hand is telling me that we cannot win this game. But my partner is smiling because my partner is like, if you knew what I had in my hand, if you knew what I was holding on to, you too would smile and be at peace because, Dexter, you're not in this game all by yourself, but you got a partner. Some folks know that I ain't talking about space no more. I'm talking about the God of the universe. If you knew what he had in his hand, you would shout, you would praise, and you'll be smiling in the midst of a bad hand. I like the way the old folks used to say, you ought to hold on to God's unchanging hand. His hand never changes. That he's consistent. Doesn't he hold the world in his hand? If you won't take my testimony, ask Abraham and he'll tell you. Ask the three Hebrew, ask Daniel when he was in the lion's den and odds was stacked against him. What he found out is that though he had a bad hand, and you know good and well that Daniel shouldn't have won against those lions, the Hebrew boys shouldn't have won against that fire, Lazarus shouldn't have won against death, but when you got the God of the universe uh, who speak things into existence, though the odds are stacked against you, he's able to deliver and still set free. So Israel, I need you to chill. And in verse 9, the Egyptians catch up with the Israelites. Make sense? Makes sense that they would catch up with them because, because they're on foot. They don't really have a nice vehicle. Egypt is coming after them with Teslas, and they on their heels. They come within sight of the camp of Israel as the Tesla tell them, we've arrived, we got them. Near the place where God had come in Israel to camp, it seems like the spade game is over before it even started. But God will deal you a bad hand and your enemies a good hand so that everyone will know the reason you won was not because of your hand, but because of your partner's hand. But if we're honest, if we're honest, often we focus on our hand. Let's just be human. I've I seen all the clapping and stuff, but now we're going to get real. <laughs> you don't be thinking about no guy's hand. You just my hand right here. In season nine, episode three, we run into the mumbles and grumbles. Verses 10 through 12. 
the scene shifts again. Here it is, Pastor Brad. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Here they come. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out as the army started marching towards them. And they cried out to the Lord. They can hear the footsteps. And they said to Moses, is it because there was no graves in Egypt? I know you hear what I hear. <laughs> them ain't Jordan 12s, them steel toe boots. <laughs> that you have taken us away <laughs> to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? The boots are coming. It's not that this was said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die. In the wilderness. Here they come, Moses. <laughs> okay, we're done just being stuck. The enemy is coming for them. The dust from the chariot is blowing on their faces. What happens inside of God's people? Their confidence falls. Danger comes, Leanne, and they lose it. Change comes, and they lose it. All the joy, all the confidence. Leaves faster than an air in a pop balloon. What do they do? Same thing we do. You ain't got to go to school to uh, figure this out. <laughs> they panic. They cry out to the Lord. They flip on Moses. Essentially, they lose faith. And one of the worst things you could ever do in life is lose faith in God. Yeah. Why? Real simple. Losing faith. Makes you say some dumb stuff. Satan doesn't want your house. He doesn't want your wife. He doesn't want your husband. He doesn't want your singleness. He doesn't want your job. But he wants your faith. And they turn to Moses. Watch, oh, Mo, oh, poor Mo. Oh, Mo, the boy that went down in the basket down the river. He's like, I ain't growing up for this. They turn to Moses. They start asking them some questions, but they are angry. They say, Mo, have you brought us into the wilderness? Because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. They're getting smart with them now. Now, graves in Egypt are like barbecue grills in the hood. There were plenty of graves in Egypt. A big daddy grill everywhere. Their pyramids were graves. They had been building graves in Egypt. Egypt, has, has, Egypt was grave central. It was grave depot. If you wanted a grave, Egypt was where to go. The people say to Mo, did you bring us out here because there were not enough graves in Egypt? The question gets to the heart of the thing, doesn't it? In other words, God, why have you dealt me this hand? Have you ever asked that question? Why have you put me in this marriage? Why did you bring me to this job? Why did you allow me to be born into this family? They conclude it's because God wants to destroy them. And if we're honest, we conclude the same thing. But God is going to answer their question. I brought you here to show you my glory. That's why I brought you here. I brought you in this place 
of impossibility to show you my glory. I have brought you here to make a believer out of you. I have brought you here because in going, I'm going to to demand every ounce of trust from you. I brought you here, Israel, so that you can put those other gods behind you who are not gods anyways, who can't save you, who can't deliver you, and who cannot you free. I brought you here so you can know that I am the Lord on your worst day. I'm still God. When tears are streaming down your face, baby, I'm still God. When the odds are against you, I'm still God. When the troubles are greater than you, child, keep your head up because I am still God. I want you to know that even when you were in slavery, it wasn't Pharaoh keeping you. It was me. And I brought you here to see my glory. Understand every difficulty that we find ourselves in is a platform for showing your faith, not grumbling and blaming, but trusting the Lord. That's why God saves us, friends. That's why he saves us, to reveal to us his glory. Paul says God is revealing in our hearts, in the face of Jesus, his glory one degree to the next. And then if we can be honest, without trouble, sometimes we won't draw near to him so that he can show you things about himself that you would never see if you never were in the place where you actually had to depend on him. That's why we came up with some of those names, tear catcher and in my pillow, in, in, in my refuge, in my rock. You think people came up with that stuff because they were going through good times? No. What happens is that they got in a place where no one else can help them. They didn't have a pillow, but God became their pillow. They didn't have a refuge, but God became their refuge. This brings us to verses 13 and 14. Season 9, episode 4, God bows promise in a trap place. In these verses, God's people are about to learn a big lesson. And you're about to learn a lesson as well. A lesson we need to learn. Never get so fixed on what your enemy plans to do to you more than what God plans to do with you. Let me say that again. Somebody needs that. Never get so fixed on what your enemy plans to do to you more than what God plans to do with you. Let me pause really fast and defend the Israelites. They have been slaves for over 430 years. The only thing they have known in their experience was Pharaoh's intentions and Pharaoh's plans. No wonder they are consumed with what in the world is he going to do to us now? Yes, they have seen the 10 plagues, but when you have been trapped all your life, it is not easy to get out of the slavery mentality and fear of your oppressor. When people have been beaten down and oppressed for so long, it is not easy to get out. When power has been stripped from you and your worth and dignity have been trampled on, it is not easy to get out. We get mad at people for not leaving their oppressor, but when the has conditioned you to be dependent on them and fear them. It is hard to leave. And though they were objectively free from their bondage, the Israelites were subjectively in their own hearts still slaves. 
And you can take the people out of slavery, but you can't take the slavery out of people very easily. And what can we take away from this season? What can we post on our social media? What can we hide in our hearts for Monday? Well, I think Moses gives it to us. But before we get to what he has to say to us, I want y'all to look at Moses, y'all. Remember how he was back in season three. He, did, he didn't even want the job. But look what God has done. What a fragile coward. By the way, that really kicked off because uh, Moses and all that he did kicked off because of a group of women like Jabed and the midwives. Y'all remember those <laughs> bold ladies. What does Moses do in verses 13 and 14? Moses has nothing but a word. I kept y'all too long. <laughs> Moses has nothing but a word of encouragement, and it is a word in which he directs them to do nothing. Come on. Right. Uh, let, me see. let me see. I don't think they caught that one. Uh, okay. They coming, right? They real close. The dust is on them. Okay, Moses, you our boy. What's up? What we going to do, Mo? Because <laughs> it's either, either they going to get us, but we're going to take you out before they get us. Because you brought us out here. What we going to do, Moses? What we going to do? And, <clears throat> and you will think Moses say, put up your dukes. Y'all remember that old word. Put up your dukes. Time to fight. No, he says, do nothing. I demand, he says, that you stand there and do nothing. Let me give it to you the way he actually says it. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. In other words, when you are in a stuck place, God doesn't need you to fight. God needs you to trust. And if we're being honest, that ain't always easy to be still and know that he's God when the opposition is close. Look at what he tells him. He says, fear not. Fear God, and you ain't got nothing else to fear, baby. Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, not those who can destroy the body. And he didn't just say, fear not. Number two, he says, don't just fear. That's one thing. But now I want you to watch. Mm. That's what he means when he says, stand by and see the salvation of God. In other words, what God is trying to get into the souls and the mind of Israel is the same thing that he's trying to get in the hearts and minds of Bethel Gary, that I am able to keep you. Oh, come here, Jude. I hear you ringing in my ears. Do y'all remember what Jude said? Jude said, now unto him who is able to keep you. See, you're not shouting because, because what you don't understand is that word keep has a visual there. And that visual is this, y'all, is that, is, that, is that there in the book of Jude, when it says the word keep, what he's talking about and the picture that is there is that there's an army of soldiers patrolling the outside of the city. 
so that anything that's going to go through the city needs to go through the soldiers. But that's not just it. That word keep is also saying is that there's soldiers also inside of the city, marching to keep the city. So not only if you're going to take over the city, do you need to go through the soldiers on the outside. You got to be able to go through the soldiers on the inside. And so what God is saying is that I got your back on the outside and I got your back on the inside. I figured that I'll need to bring some help with me and so I did. Y'all not going to believe this and I'm in my seat. The other day I called the Orkin man. I don't know what that sound is but whatever it is turn it off please. Uh, 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 I called the Orkin man and the Orkin man said, I called him, I said hey we got some invaders coming into our home. Y'all know they come every season. These little ants can't stand them. Can't stand these ants. And I talked to the Orkin man and I said, I said, I said, I need y'all to come out and I need y'all to take care of these ants. He said, Mr. Harris, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. I said, I said, I said, how are you going to take care of it? He says, Mr. Harris, what we're going to do is we're going to come and we're going to put a barrier around your house. So the things that's supposed to be outside will remain outside. I said, that's good. I said, that's good. I said, that's good. Y'all almost got my money. But what about the ones that's already on the inside? Oh, he said, Mr. Harris, we're experts at this. We know that they have already laid eggs from last year. And so we know that they're coming. So we're not just going to give you a barrier on the outside. We're going to put something on the inside for those who are already in the house. Y'all ain't with me yet. Somewhere I read that Jesus will be a fence all around me. But if you know yourself the way that I know myself, the issue with the Israelites is not just Egypt on the outside. They got Egypt on the inside. But there's good news that he's a God that doesn't just deliver on the outside. When the word gets down on the inside, Something happens on the inside. Friends, God is able to keep his people. God is able to deliver and to set free. Oh, Israel, be still and know that I am God. And y'all know what happens, right? God opens up that Red Sea. And those people cross on the other side. They ain't had no mud in their toes because the ground was solid. When they got to the other side and Pharaoh tried to pursue them, well, you know what happened to him because You'll hear about Pharaoh after that. (laughs) God drowns him. God defeats him. Friends, God is more than capable to do what he's called you to do and to be what you need him to be.